Hey there, and welcome to It's Simply Life. I'm your host, Lisa Williams, founder and entrepreneur of It's Simply Digital, native Texan, single mom to two young adults, and an adventure-seeking worldwide traveler. This is the podcast that blends a little bit of entrepreneurship, a little bit of marketing, a little bit of life, and a whole lot of spice. Hey there, and thanks for joining me on another episode of It's Simply Life. You do not want to miss this episode. We are replaying one of my favorite guests, Bob Berg. He is the author of The Go-Giver, and he shares such insight and value, and you don't want to miss a moment. Welcome, Bob. Thanks for joining me. Hello, Lisa. Great to be with you. I am so grateful that you are spending some of your day with me and that I get the privilege of asking you some questions about this book. So thank you. My absolute pleasure. Privilege is mine. Thank you. All right. So let's get started. Um, I really want to know, where did you get the idea to write this book? So years ago, many years ago, and this is back in the early 90s, actually, I published my first book. Uh, it was called Endless Referrals, and the subtitle was Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. And it was basically a how-to book on how people who, you know, entrepreneurs and salespeople, people who believed in what they, they do and, and their product or service, knew they could provide great value to others, but they, they didn't feel necessarily comfortable in the process of going out and building relationships uh, with people, which is, you know, a lot of people, right? And right. so it was really just a guide on how to develop the, what I call the know, like, and trust relationships with people where they want to do business with you. They want to refer you to others, hence the name Endless Referrals. Um, How-to book. And, 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 you know, I mean, it's sold very well over the years. We've had, uh, in 99, we did a revised edition. Then in 2005, another revised edition and, and so forth. Now, throughout the years, um, you know, I'm an avid reader. And so I've, off, I've also read a lot of, I've, I've read a lot of parables uh -huh. and I always enjoyed them. Okay. Whether they were the, you know, Ogmandino's uh, greatest salesman in the world, James uh, Classen's richest man in Babylon, or the, the how to the um, one minute series by Blanchard and Johnson and, uh, or Chris Widener's parables. And there's uh, John Gordon's great books. And, and there's so many out there that are just fantastic. Sure. And I thought, what if we could take the basic premise of endless referrals, which is all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust, and put that into a parable, a story. Um, that while based on, on real principles would be a, a work of fiction, obviously, as a parable. And um, so the first thing I kind of thought was, so what then is the, the um, major characteristic of a salesperson or entrepreneur who is able to both quickly and sustainably cultivate those kinds of no like and trust relationships? And, and it really comes down to they're givers. They're always giving value to others. Their focus is on giving value to others. So the, 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 so the title was there. We had that go-giver. But the, the best thing I did for this book, Lisa, was contacting my friend John David Mann, who I'd never actually met in person, but worked closely with him as the editor of a magazine. He was the editor-in-chief, and I used to write articles for that magazine. And John was my editor, and he was brilliant. He was brilliant in the editing, but I also knew that 
he was brilliant as a storyteller and a writer. So I asked John, and when I say asked, I mean pleaded with John <laughs> uh -huh. to be a co-author and really the lead writer and storyteller of, of this little idea, The Go-Giver. So John and his, well, now wife, Anna, but back then fiance, they were visiting her mom in Tampa. They live up in Massachusetts. They were visiting her in Tampa. I live in Jupiter across the state. They drove one night across the state, and we had like a four-hour dinner just to discuss wow. Uh, what we would do if there was something there. So and so about three weeks later, John called and said, you know, I think we've got something here. And then, you know, we went through the process and then you know, 25 rejections from publishers later, we finally found our best, you know, publishing partner portfolio, Random House Penguin, uh, Penguin Random House. And, uh, you know, and, and that's been now like 11 years or something. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how that, that came together. Um, and, and you say it's been 11 years, but people are still reading it and gobbling it up and, and talking about it. So it, it's timeless. We love that. Uh, you know, it's just that that I think has been one of the nicest things about it, that it just uh, it, it just has legs. You know, we call it the uh, Energizer Bunny <laughs> going and going. And, and so, you know, we're, we're very happy with that. And, and we know that's because of people like yourself and other readers, leaders who who want to share the message. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it's certainly not us in this case. It's all of you who are out there doing that. Well, and I think in today's world where um, some of the buzzwords are authentic and entrepreneur and, you know, showing up real and having that valid and relevant content and all those buzzwords that you hear that are going on right now, I think that kind of brings your book back into being relevant and timeless in today's world. <laughs> Yeah, you know, some of the, the words that are, like, for instance, in, in the book, Law Number Four, The Law of Authenticity, right. I mean, authentic is something you hear all the time now, and it's used so much and in so many different ways, who really knows what it means, because right. it means what the person thinks it means, which is good, because we get to give our definition of it, and you know, <laughs> do it that. Or, or the word value, okay, you, well, you hear that the word term value, bandied about everywhere it's almost lost its meaning because right of right we have the law of value right so i love being able to describe the difference between price and value because everything comes down to definitions you know you're an expert on mindset and leadership and those kind of things and as you know you first have to know what you even mean by those words by those terms before you can really even get into them right and so you know so i love that i i love that part that so many of, of what we talk about in there is now just kind of you know you, you just see it all the time and all the time so it, yeah. well, one part for me when I speak at conferences and conventions is you know I go deep into it right and we can really get into the meat of you know what this really means and how it affects us what it has to do with our mindset what it has to do with how we handle situations so it, you know I have fun with it I, I, and I can I can feel your passion and I can see your energy. Um, so that, that was kind of leads me to another question is, how did you come up with the five laws? Where did those come from? Because they, they really spoke to me as being an entrepreneur and, you know, going on this journey of um, leadership and self-development. So where did you come up with those five laws? Well, value was pretty easy to come up with because it's the the foundational principle, the law of value. You know, in a free market-based economy, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one is 
forced to do business with anyone else. People right. do bi business with each other of, of their own volition, okay? In a free market-based economy, the only way someone is ever going to purchase from you or do business with you is because they believe the value they receive is greater than the price they're paying for it, okay? So, you know, I often, when I speak at a sales conference, I'll, I'll begin by saying, you know, how many of you would agree with the following statement? Nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. <laughs> right. I'll laugh, right? Exactly. <laughs> right. No, nobody's going to buy, right? They're not going to buy from you because you need the money. And right. they're not going to buy from you because you're a really nice person. Right. <laughs> right. They're going to buy from you because they believe they will be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And in a, the, the basically free market-based economy in which we live, which all of us operate in, uh, where no one's forced to do business with any of us, that's the only reason why anyone should buy from you or from me or for, from anyone else, because they're receiving more in value than what they're paying. But that can be confusing, okay? So let's say, let's take the law of value. Your true worth, in the business sense, of course, your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. But think about that. I mean, that's totally counterintuitive. Give more in value than I take in payment? Well, what does that uh, mean? How, how am I supposed to survive? Right. In my business, never mind. In fact, he said it kind of sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy. You know, like one of those really nice things give more in value than I take, you know? Well, so the only way we can understand that is to understand what each of those terms mean. Now, this is the difference between price and value because price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It simply is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something, to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or value to another human being that they will willingly exchange their money for it and be ecstatic that they did. It would be sort of like if, if you hire an accountant to do your taxes, okay? And this accountant charges you uh, $1,000. I was just going to name a round figure. That's her fee or literally her price. Right. But what value is she giving you in exchange for this? Well, through her hard work, her experience, her knowledge, her getting to know you, what you're looking to accomplish, getting to know you and your business. She's able to save you $5,000 in taxes. She also saves you 20 hours of time, right? Right, right. Provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So again, first we see here that while price is finite, value is both concrete in terms of that $5,000 savings, pretty easy to get our arms around that, right? But right. it's also conceptual in terms of that peace of mind that you have, which probably is, is of greater value to you than even the money that was saved. Okay, so uh -huh. what she did is she gave you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 price or, or fee or price. She gave you more in value than she did in payment, but she also made a very healthy profit because it's worth it to her to sell or lease out her services for that $1,000 fee. Now, 
that's the difference between price and value. So you give more in value than what you take, but you're not, not making a price. You're making a very healthy profit. Sure. So because, it, because in a, a, a market-based economy, value plus value equals even more value. It's one plus one equals three. In fact, the, the key characteristic of a free market-based exchange is that there are always two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them come away better off after the transaction than they were before the transaction. But the whole thing begins because of the focus of the salesperson, or in this case, the accountant. She, her focus was not on, on her fee. Her focus was on serving you. Her focus was on giving you immense value. value. Okay? This is why John and I say that money is an echo of value. Money is an echo of value. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, which means nothing more, Lisa, than that the, the value, which is where you're focused, the value comes first, and the money you receive is simply a natural result of the, of value. the value. Yeah. What, what a great concept, because I think, you know, and I'm in sales and marketing as well. And so I think, you know, you're driven by that dollar. That's what you're driven by. That's what a lot of people are driven by is that dollar amount. And it's changing your mindset to say, what can I give instead of what can I get? And, and so how much value can I give to this person for what they're paying me to do? Um, that, that's not a natural mindset. The it, natural it's not. You said to be focused on the money. Right. But, but right. so here's the thing, and this, and this is what I think is so important to understand, is that when we say, you know, so, so no, and, and by the way, money is important. Of course, it's the sure. of your business. Without it, you have no business and you cannot sure. value to anyone. Okay. No, money is important. But it, the focus needs to be on the other person. Now, someone would say, well, wait a second, Bob, that's all fine and well, but I need the money now. I need to, well, see that statement, that mindset is based on a false premise. That false premise being that selling with a focus on the money is going to actually help you make the sale. No, think <laughs> about it this way, okay? Let's say, you know, you're the prospect and, and I'm uh, the salesperson, okay? Sure. And I need the money. My focus is on the money, okay? So I go in there and I'm presenting my product or service. And yeah, you know, I'm asking you questions because I've been taught to ask questions. But, you know, the, the, I'm asking questions really so that I can sharp angle you into a close, into buying. Or when you ask questions or let's say you have an objection, uh, it's a little annoying because, hey, those objections are standing in the way of my money, right? Right. Uh, you know, everything about it says to you through my mindset, through my attitude, that I'm much more interested in your money than I am in helping you. Helping you. So are you more likely or less likely to buy from me right now? And, you know, right. most people would say, well, probably less likely. Right. So now, let's say the same thing. I'm still the same person. Uh, I still need the money. But what I'm going to do is I'm not going to deny my need for money, and I'm not gonna deny my self-interest because that's denying human nature, but I'm gonna set it aside, okay? I'm gonna set it aside, and I am gonna focus, my entire focus is gonna be on providing such exceptional value to you 
that you're going to see that it's in your best interest to do business with me. Okay, so I'm gonna have to take shift that mindset and, and just put that, put my self-interest aside, focus on you. So now when I do the presentation, I ask questions, but now I'm really listening. Not listening in order to find a way to get in there and close us out. I'm listening to understand exactly what it is that you need, that you want, that you desire. What challenges you have that my product or service or myself can help you with. How I can make your life better through my product or service. Everything is about you, okay? When you have a, an objection, I welcome it and we discuss it together so that we can get to the actual root of that objection because we know a lot of times the objection people give isn't really their objection, it's sort of the outward manifestation. Sure. But something else is really going on, okay? What they might say is I don't have the money or I don't have the time or I don't have the this or I don't have the that, but that's really not their, their objection. That's uh, there's something else going on, but, but since they don't really even know what it truly is, that's just they, they default to that kind of first, first thing, okay? So instead, what we do is we work with this person to really understand and get to the root issue so we can, we can answer it together. So we don't overcome objections, we work within the objections in order to advance the process. Uh, only after I totally understand what you're looking for am I then gonna match up the benefits of my product or service with what you have already said you need, want, and desire. Now, are you more likely or less likely to buy from me right now? And the chances are more likely. Right. And, and I think it's, you know, in, in taking that word value and asking those questions, it's also, you're not so quick to, to jump on the sale. You're more, you're more interested in what is the process and how much time do I need to spend to understand this process and to get to know this person so that I can provide value to them. So in asking the right questions and, and, and learning more about them, not only in a sales perspective, but in a personal perspective as well, you know, are they married? Do they have kids? What are some of their hobbies? You know, just some of those things as well. And I love in the story how Joe, who is just this, dynamic person as far as you know in the beginning of the story he's you, you look at him and you think oh he's a great salesperson you know like he closes business he's on top of his game he has a ton of energy you know but he doesn't understand how what the process is and how to add well, value he's he's so focused on the dollar yeah well it's all about joe every yeah. who, who's joe what and you know I, Joe can't believe this and that, and how could this person do that? And, and what he realizes, and this is really what the whole premise of the go-giver is about anyway, and it's simply shifting your, your focus. And, you know, you talk about mindset, and, and it, it's so right on the mark. And we would say that the, that the, the, the premise of the go-giver itself is that shifting your focus from getting to giving, and when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others. Understanding that not only is that a more pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. Right, right. And, and don't learn, he had a lot of potential, but he was very eye-focused. See, we would say yeah. the opposite of a go-giver is not a go-getter. We like go-getters. Right. Go take action. 
okay? Right. Uh, no natural division between a go-getter and a go-giver. Many go-getters are also go-givers, and we would say every go-giver is also a go-getter. The opposite of a, we want people to be go-getters, people of action, and go-givers, people focused, laser-focused on bringing immense value to others. The opposite of a go-giver, then, is a go-taker. Taker. That's the person who feels almost entitled, if you will, to take, take, take without adding value to the process, to the person, to the situation. So in, in the law of authenticity, how do you keep in the back of your mind that you are, you know, you, you do have a goal, you do have uh, quotas, you do want to make money, but how do you show up and be authentic while still being able to, to generate those dollars? See, here's the, the great thing about it. There's no natural division between making money and being focused on the other person. In fact, the only way you're really going to make a lot of money is to be so focused on other people that you're bringing them value. It's like, you know, Zig Ziglar used to say, right? Uh, it's it's, it's his, his most misquoted uh, quote, but it's his, his, his best quote. And what he said is, hey, you can have everything in life you want. If you just help enough other people get what they, they want. want. Now, notice there are two parts of that. He's talking about getting what you want in life. Yes. He's saying you can only do that when you give other people what they want. Right. So, being authentic does not conflict in any way, shape, or form with a desire to be successful, a desire to make a lot of money a desire to be able to have those things you want and do the things you want and grow how you want and you know, give the charities as you want and send your kids to a great school as you want and whatever it is you want to do. There's no, there's no lack of authenticity in that. You know, so there's no division between that and knowing that to do this, you must bring immense value to the market. So um, Bob, I think one of the things that I wanted to address is, you know, in Joe's head, there's competition. You know, he has this competition with this other, I mean, it's in his head, you know, I'm competing for this business with this other potential company. And so, excuse me? Oh, for the, for the big kahuna. Yeah, for the big kahuna. <laughs> and so, um, you know, in my mind, what I like to think is there's just, collaboration over competition there's so much more um to get at, in from other people like if that person did not buy from you then there was something that the other person brought of value like you were saying and so i just kind of feel like there's plenty to go around and and so you want to speak a little bit to the competition you know yeah. well, kind of talk so about that. In Wallace Waddell's 1910 classic, The Science of Getting Rich, which was a wonderful, wonderful book, he talked about the difference between the competitive plane and the creative plane, okay? Now, the creative plane meant that your focus was on creating value for the marketplace around, creating value for the world around. And this is whether you're an employee, that you're creating value, your goal is to create value for your company, or if you're an entrepreneur, salesperson, your goal is to create value for the marketplace around you. That's the creative plane. Your focus is on creating value for others. 
The competitive plane means that your focus is on not letting others get ahead of you. Now, this does not mean that there's not competition in business. Of course, they have five brands, four of them are your competitive. By all means, know who they are, know what they do, know their strengths and weaknesses, of course. But don't focus on them. Don't focus on them. Know who they are, know what they do, know what they're about, know how your benefit, you know, where the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats are. But of course, but focus on bringing immense value to the marketplace. That's the difference between living on the competitive plane, and which is angst and which is right and living on the creative plane which is about joy and love and bringing value to others um and i love that because i know that there's plenty of business to go around and if everybody wanted to buy from you from your you couldn't serve everybody there there needs to be competition yeah, and so here's the thing, and, and John and I, uh, I think we say this in, in Go-Givers Sell More, which was the, the follow-up, that somebody has to buy from you for you to be in business, but it doesn't have to be this person. Right, right. right. You know, right. and so that's, that's also why we are big believers in developing a big referral-based business, because one way you can have that great emotional posture, right, when you care, but not that much, right? Right. Right. What a, you know, you want to care, you want to prefer they do business with you, but you don't want your sense of happiness and joy to be dependent on what someone else does. Okay? Right. And that's why one of the best ways is to have so many people out there who you have earned the right to be able to call and contact and, and, and so forth that you never have to ask yourself that most dreaded of questions. Who do I talk to next now that my original list of names has run out? And so <laughs> you have that, that, those uh when you're now working a mainly referral based business you can oh it makes it just easier as a human being to approach people without worrying about your being able to take your mind off of yourself because you really uh, do not have to be attached to whether this person in front of you buys from you so i want to speak a little bit about joe ends up finding a mentor and he brings him along and teaches him all these laws and and these relevant little little tidbits and and lessons to help him get to be a go-giver and so um you know in for me having a mentor has been life-changing and what i love is mentors and coaches want they don't want to um keep you where you're they're at they want to bring you up with them and and so Tell me a little bit about how you came up with the idea of having a mentor for Joe and what that process looks like, because I think everybody should have coaches and mentors. Yeah, well, mentors are very important because they have experience uh, that we don't necessarily have, and they can right. really help cut our learning curve time, uh, you know, immensely. And so, yeah, we're, we're big believers in, in mentorship. Uh, I think what happens, and, and you know, you can... You can find mentors pretty much everywhere, especially these days where there's so much more access to people. But I think what happens sometimes when people look for a, a mentor, and, and I'm not talking about in a structured business model where someone is your, your mentor and they, they, and they do have a vested financial interest in your success, which is great and that's fine. But right. I'm talking about someone is just in, when, when they're reaching out because they would like to be mentored by someone who, for no other reason, 
you know, would, would be agreeing to, to help them. I think we have to do that with humility because I see people that will, you know, that reach out to someone and just say, hey, will you be my mentor? <laughs> <laughs> not that that can't ever work, but not usually because typically right. that person is probably being asked by a lot of people to, to, to mentor them. But yeah. when, you, when you ask like that, there's almost a sense of entitlement to it. You know, when you ask someone with whom there's no relationship, right? Right. Your mentor, it's like saying, hey, hi, my name is John or Susie. Would you mind sharing 40 years of your life experience with me, even though you don't know me from a hole in the wall, right? right. Yeah. And so it comes off, it might come off as entitled and the person is just thinking, you know, yeah, right, you know. <laughs> and so, um, so you can approach though in a different way that's much more effective. And that is, and again, you can still pretty much contact anyone, you know, that you've at least had a, a uh, at least a brief exchange with or whatever, but I would, I would do it more like this. And that is to say that, you know, I'm either, I'm just beginning in business or I'm, I'm really advancing to a, looking to advance uh, to a new phase in my business or the next step in my development. Uh, I understand, I know you're very busy. So if this is something that's either not appropriate or something you just rather not do, please know I totally understand. I'm wondering, may I, may I ask you one or two very specific questions. Now, what you've done here is you've, first of all, let this person know that you respect the process itself. You don't feel you're entitled to their advice. You're letting them know. You know they're very busy. And if for any reason, they don't believe it's appropriate or just don't want to, totally fine. This is what I call giving the out or back door. Okay? Right, right. And the bigger the out you give someone to take, the less they'll feel the need to take it. You're making them feel very comfortable that, okay, now, then to say one or two very specific questions. Well, now they know you're a serious person, too. They know it's not just the pick your brain type of, you know, no, you've got one or two very, and most people, not, not all, but it doesn't have to be all, but most people, very successful people will say, sure, what can I do for you? Or feel right. free to ask. Right. Now, you ask those couple of questions and you know of course you've researched the person hopefully online there's no excuse not to do that so you wouldn't ask any question you could have found the answer to from some paper the person's written or something that this person has said but you ask the questions you don't take much of their time they and this again could be on the phone in person online what would happen regardless of the medium and 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 then you you thank them profusely for having helped you and then that day i would write a handwritten personalized note to this person, just a short, brief note, handwritten in blue ink, and that just says, you know, dear Mr. or Ms. So-and-so, again, thank you so much for taking your valuable time. Uh, you know, I, it just, your advice meant so much to me. I will apply it immediately and circle back around with you and let you know how things are going. Put it in a number 10 envelope, hand stamp it, send it out. Now, another thing I would do, and this is just a really nice touch that will get this person to really notice, and that is, um, you know, find out what their favorite charity is. Don't ask them, but you can find it out easily online. Um, and then make a small, doesn't need to be anything big, but a small donation to their favorite charity. Okay, maybe they're um, uh, animal uh, activism, and so it's to the local uh, yeah. uh humane society that they belong or animal shelter they belong to okay whatever make the make it out in their name the donation in their name they'll be notified of that now again you're not doing that to kiss up or anything uh -huh. it's simply to communicate 
how much you value their time and that while you're not in a position to, you know, do for them what they're doing for you, it's something that where you are, you know, you're focused on bringing value to them to yeah. the degree that you right. can. Right. Uh, again, so a few weeks later, a month later, you might check back, you might, you know, so maybe ask another question. If a mentor-protege relationship is supposed to happen, and it is, it's a relationship. Oh, okay? yeah. And it yep. takes time to develop. If it's supposed to, over time, develop into a real one-on-one -on -one personal mentor-protege relationship, it will. If not, it won't. Again, don't be attached to it having to happen. But if it's supposed to, it will. It may be that this person was just supposed to be there for one or two questions, and someone else is going to be there for another one or two questions, then you find your ongoing mentor somewhere else. It's just, you know what I'm saying? So right. it's the appropriate action, and that's the one that's most likely going to lead to that person really having a lot of respect for you and feeling an emotional vested interest in your success. And that's the most powerful one of all. Uh, I love that in the story, uh, Joe is blown away by the fact that somebody wants to spend time with him and mentor him and, and invest their, you know, I mean, and this person, you know, J Joe doesn't even know this person. He's never met this person. He's, you know, he got introduced to him and he's blown away that his assistant takes the phone call. And, you know, just, I love that little story, that little part of it, because I think, we're, we don't want to approach people. I love how you said, you know, Hey, I know your time is valuable. And would you mind if you, if I could just ask you a couple of questions and I've been, I'm very interested in X, Y, and Z that you've been doing. And, you know, so I love that you say you approach it in a different way. And Joe just was blown away by how somebody took their time to mentor him. And, and I think sometimes we're really scared or feel maybe, um, I don't know, some kind of fear to approach people and ask them, just like you, you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I think it's natural because, you know, who wants to be rejected? Who wants to be told no? You know, sure. I mean, it's the same in, in business. And, you know, one of, my, one of my favorite books is another business parable written by uh, my friend Andrea um, Waltz and her husband, Richard Fenton. It's called Go For No. And it, it totally reframes the word no. Uh, what they say is their basic premise is that yes is the destination, um, no is the you know no is the path. So uh, you know no is the way to get there. So yeah, go for no. And it's again just a brief business parable, and uh, it, you know it's such a fantastic book. And and it says you know we're gonna get no's. And, and I think one thing that you know sometimes drives people out of business well be you know people who could have been wonderful producers and great leaders and i see this in all types of businesses anything having to do with sales it's not you know they hear a bunch of no's okay and they stop right i don't think the problem is that they're getting the no's the problem is they think they're the only ones getting the no's because they <laughs> these people walking across the stages who get, are getting these awards and these things and this, these honors and these all sorts of things. Oh, well, they just went out there and it just happened for them. You know, they, no, no, it didn't. They've gotten tons of no's. Right. Now, that doesn't mean you have to like the no's. There's lots of things in life we don't, we don't like. But when we can lose our attachment to the no's or the yeses and just do the activity, build the relationships, do those things that are creating that, what we call the benevolent context 
for success, that's when we, you know, set ourselves up, put ourselves in position to succeed. And one of those things is understanding you're going to get no's. Well, and, and I think we can't take it personally. And that's what you're, you're trying to say is we just can't take it personally. Yeah, and it's hard not to, again, we're human beings. And so right. you, well, you, you try and you hear a no and you take it personally. It's like, you know, that, and, and you take it personally and that's a, a state. And then you get mad at yourself for taking it personally. Well, now you've got a meta state. You've got a state upon a state. So now you're feeling guilty for being mad at yourself for taking it personally. <laughs> and now you're sad. Now you've got a state on a state on a state on a state. So no, just go out there and keep doing it. <laughs> and get in and just keep practicing doing it without attack with concern and care but not attachment and again attachment simply meaning an emotional need to something so bob i want to ask you what just kind of sum up what is a go-giver in your mind i, I would go back to saying it's that person who has either learned or in many cases always intuitively understood that when you can move from an I focus or me focus to that other focus, again, looking for ways to bring value to others, understanding that again, not only is it a nice way to do business, that it is the most profitable way, that's a go-giver. I, I, thank you. That's, this has been awesome. I, I want to, okay, so let's, let's talk about, are you currently writing any books right now or what, do, what are you doing now? Speaking? No. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, most of what I do still is speaking at conferences and conventions. I, I'm only doing, you know, as I get older, I'll be at the time that we're doing this interview, I'm, I'm 61, I'll be 62 in a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm doing, I'm on the road less. I'm now okay. taking no more than 20 out of state engagements a year. Uh, we are, we're holding a, an event as we're talking next week in Orlando called Endless Referrals, the go-giver way. Uh -huh. And so, uh, having people come into Florida and I, you know, I have a team of certified go-giver speakers and, and we have a, um, uh, a new, um, I shouldn't, I can't say new cause it's not out yet, but it will be a new uh -huh. uh, online course on endless referrals, the go-giver way. So all those things, you know, I, I, I try to, you know, especially at this point in my life, just have fun you know, doing these things and creating these things and right. sharing message with people. And so that's really what's, you know, what's happening now. Um, okay. So go get the go-giver um, and, and read it. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing, you know, some of these lessons. Um, how can we get a hold of you? And I'll make sure and I link everything up in the show notes. So the two best ways I would say is to go to thegogiver.com. And when you scroll down, there's just lots of good resources there. There's lots of my old podcasts, um, uh, episodes, and you can also go to the different books and you can get a free chapter to see, you know, if you like what you, what you read and then you can always click through. But at the Berg, B-U-R-G, Berg.com site, um, there's a series now on the blog. So actually, if you go to Berg.com and then go to where it says blog. Uh-huh. A whole series of videos I did, uh, endless referrals, the go-giver. Actually, I call them endless referrals action tips, I think. But I think I did something like 20 in this series. If you scroll down to one and then work your way up, there's a bunch of like two to three to four minute videos that will give you a whole how-to on referrals and so forth. So uh, you can go to those as well. Okay. And I'll make sure that they're linked up in the show notes. Thank you again for your time. I appreciate it. 
oh, I appreciate you. You're a blast to speak with. And I, you know, I, I love what you're doing and I love the, your leadership and uh, you just, you know, a blessing to all. So keep up the great work. Thanks, Bob. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of It's Simply Life. If you like what you hear, please share, rate, review us, and leave us any comments. We do read every single one of them. If you are looking to up your digital marketing game or build your brand, make sure and visit us at itssimplydigital.com or you could send me an email, lisa at itssimplydigital.com. All right. Go be awesome and have a wonderful day.